You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. Hey everybody, this is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast. And I have a, a guest, uh, uh, kind of lucky to land, uh, Jane Carmelamo. Uh, it is such a great pleasure to reach you up in uh, uh, British Columbia, uh, Canada. Welcome to Something Rather Than Nothing. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and chat today. Yeah, I uh, uh, listening to your songs um, and uh, so excited to encounter your your work uh, via a collaboration with Canel, uh, Melissa Oliveri, who's been a guest twice and a, a co-host. She's even taken over the show uh, once. <laughs> um, great friend of the show. Um, and it's great to connect uh, with you uh, that way. Uh, Jane, uh, tell us, tell us about, uh, tell us about uh, your connection uh, to 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 music did you when you were young were, were you an artist were you doing songs then uh your connection to creativity when did you see yourself as a musician artist yeah so i have uh some pretty deep family roots to music that go back to my childhood my father is a musician um he has always had a really great space for music wherever he's lived he's had some really epic home studios that I was fortunate enough to be able to play around in as a child and you know playing around with microphones and drum kits and all sorts of fun instruments of like the 80s and 90s was pretty pretty exciting as a kid so I I would definitely say that my first inspiration with music came from my father whose name is is Jay and uh yeah he he's he was in a few bands in the 80s you know probably the 70s too just sort of local local bands uh, with friends and playing gigs and stuff and uh, he's recorded some of his own albums in his own studio. And so, yeah, my roots go back back to my dad. And I've been singing since I was a kid. And uh, my first instrument I picked up was, uh, was the bass guitar. Well, actually, no, I lie. The piano. I had some piano lessons before that, which I wasn't really, like, super into. But... Uh, they're a good foundation for music theory. But uh, my first, yeah, main instrument that I took seriously was was the bass guitar when I was about 11 or 12. Started playing that in, in the school band and at home and, and started playing guitar after that because uh, bass isn't always the most fun solo in your bedroom instrument. So I've heard I, that. Uh, I've heard yeah. that. <laughs> and and like uh, although I have written quite a few songs out of bass lines, um, I'm, I remember at the time finding it like a little bit easier to compose compose songs on the guitar. And so uh, 
so yeah, I picked up the guitar around age like 12, 13. And, um, and didn't have a lot of people other than my dad and like his friends uh, to play music with until I was really like in, in university um, other than the school band. And so, you know, I played a little bit of music with others in university, nothing really serious, did some songwriting. I did record an album at uh, about age 16, 17 in my dad's studio that I still have, um, which I was really proud of at the time. And it's a pretty cool time capsule to look back, look back at and listen to. But um, considering myself like an artist, like, I don't know, like, I always thought of myself as a musician from the time I started playing instruments, but I never really, like, really thought of myself as a serious artist until actually maybe in the last, like, four or five years, to be honest. Okay. So post, post uh, you know, raising my kids as young children, I'm kind of at the age of, as a mom now where... I have a lot more flexibility. The kids are a little bit older and more self-sufficient can start exploring my identity again beyond, beyond a mom. So I've been doing that for the last, (laughs) last few years. And, and yeah, and I, and I feel actually comfortable now calling myself like a professional musician or performing artist. Whereas if you had asked me in my twenties, I probably wouldn't have said that. (laughs) Well, it's good. It's good to, I mean, it's good to, you know, move into that identity, see yourself in that way. And of course, I find it, you know, fascinating saying the last few years with that. So um, tell us, tell us, I mean, if, so first of all, listeners, uh, Jane does um, uh, some electronic music uh, under Sacred Cranium, uh, does soundscapes. And you've described your, you know, the music that you do. Um, it's always tough to talk about music, but um uh, no, I, I'm not going to talk about it how you described it. I'll, I'll tell you how I heard it and um, some of my impressions and listened to it. And they're kind of just raw. So there's certain types of music, you know, so like everybody will, will say, hey, you know, check out this album, check out this album, right? And you put it, you know, you set it aside and you like you try to get into it and I started listening to music and it was like, I had listened to it before. Like there was something yeah. about the music um, and not like in the repetition, but like that, that, that the, the area was comfortable to me. And I felt like underneath, like just that deep, um, uh, like uh, Depeche mode, uh, alt rock, like um, feel like a feel tied to it. Um, and yeah. th- I, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed um, uh, all all your music. It, it fits into maybe my head, um, <laughs> music wise, where uh, where I reside, um, and powerful, uh, powerful as well uh, with 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 lyrics and and vocally. So you got your electronic music, singer songwriter there, um, and uh, and you do some collaborations. Uh, as as well when you go into soundscape or you're going into this other form of music do you are, are are these completely different experiences for you in in putting them together it's just like this is the manifestation of me and 
here it comes. What's what's that experience like for you? Because they're different. Yeah, yeah I definitely like music. Music is my main calling. Like I feel as a, as as a spiritual entity, I feel like that's that's what I I need to do. It's my it's my soul's work. And so but that being said, yeah, it definitely comes out in in a variety of ways. So like my main thing is the alt rock thing under 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 my um my spiritual my Buddhist name is Jane Carmelamo and so I I used that name for my main main artist name where I do all my my alt rock stuff and singer songwriter stuff and uh and I also yeah I do the electronic stuff under Sacred Cranium I when I initially started releasing stuff I kind of I separated the electronic stuff from the alt rock stuff because I knew it wouldn't appeal necessarily to the same audiences and with the electronic stuff I was being a lot cheekier and using a lot more profanity and <laughs> so I kind of like cheekier cheekier edge is good you need that yeah I it was kind of I I, I started doing it I've always I well I shouldn't say I've since my teens, I've really enjoyed electronic music, and I'd say probably like my foray into that was was Nine Inch Nails, and uh, and then it just took off from there. But I the the my my way in was that I started playing around actually with GarageBand, and they have some really awesome stock synths and stuff and so like I didn't have to buy like a really expensive synthesizer to make what I thought sounded like pretty cool electronic stuff so I started just messing around with GarageBand and eventually moved into Logic Pro and and uh, that's how I launched into into that and it's yeah it's a it's a totally different mood the electronic stuff like it's uh yeah it's a lot cheekier it's a lot I don't know like it's it's less serious I take myself less seriously with that with under my sacred cranium name and then uh with the soundscapes I started really getting into that uh when I was doing some spiritual work and for a long time was really interested in, in owning some of the really cool acoustic sound healing instruments like crystal bowls and gongs and all of that. And and I never really had, had the, the money to really get into that. And, and, uh, and eventually we were, I was sort of able to, able to, afford some of that around the same time I was, I was doing some, some spiritual work with, um, with a beautiful, wonder, wonderful person, uh, whose name is Angela Prider. And she's been a real mentor for me in my music in general. She's been really supportive of, of that piece of me being, you know, who I am and, and it being, it needing expression And she invited me to be a part of her group, which at the time was called Sisters in Sound, which was um, 
four of us women all walking a similar spiritual path and, uh, and we were, uh, doing events where we, we would put on an immersive sound journey with sort of spiritual, spiritual elements to it for, for pretty decent sized crowds. Um, as Angela has a, a really amazing, really amazing community down there um, on the coast, uh, Vancouver, BC area. And so, uh, yeah, I really credit her for really, really making me feel like I could own that and, 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 and embrace that part of myself. And um, what, it, what has often come out of me over the years more organically is the alt rock stuff. Uh, but, um, but I really enjoy doing the soundscapes, doing the sound journeys for people because of the way it makes people feel and, and the healing qualities that, that it allows for. It's a real privilege to be able to offer that to people and to just create a safe space for people to, you know, have emotional release and to find peace and calm and grounding energy. Um, so, so yeah, it's sort of more of a more spiritual work. I can, I feel like that's more spiritual work, more community service minded work. Um, and, and sort of, yeah, being of service to people with sound Whereas the the alt rock Jane Carmelamo stuff is is more like my my true you know real core self coming out and all my you know musical influences from my childhood coming out and and all of that and then the electronic stuff is kind of like a fun fun side thing that I get to sometimes but yeah not as often yeah yeah I was listening to. Uh... I hope I pronounce it right. So Fagio five twenty eight. Uh, yeah. Last night, um, on folks, I got on uh, Bandcamp. Uh, went over there and, and found Jane and uh, uh, the I've um, I've uh, practiced and studied Buddhism. Um, my uh, my background. I, I grew up in Rhode Island, which means you grow up Roman Catholic. It, it, out in the East Coast in Rhode Island, it's just a lot of the immigration trends and stuff. It's just a lot of Catholic migration uh, from Quebec, mill workers, uh, Catholics, and uh, Portuguese Catholic. It, like a lot of Catholics there. So I grew up. Uh, but um, when I went to Marquette uh, University to study philosophy, I started studying uh, Buddhism and then started practicing largely within the Shambhala Tibetan uh uh, tradition. And so, um, I've, I'll never ask for a reconciliation of my spirituality. I believe it's, uh, particular to my experience, my experience, but, uh, Buddhism's always been a, a massive influence, not just intellectually, which is how I approached it uh, initially, but within the practice. And when I heard, when I saw the, the soundscapes in that work, of course, I was able to recognize many of the sounds and i started to think very much as as you had talked about it <clears throat> pardon me just healing with the with the, with the sounds uh i think of when i'm in as within the buddhist mindset of you know my my head and meditation and space and thoughts and trying to create some space there but just the 
immersion within sound and how that heals. How does sound heal? What do you know? What do you know, Jane, in that? I mean, because it does. I went to sleep. I slept. I Very restful sleep. <laughs> I felt more complete. Thank you, Sofegio. Um, no, it was, a, <laughs> it was a wonderful experience. I don't know everything that happened, but but tell me, what, what what is it about the sounds or the soundscapes with you probably thinking about helping people with their suffering? What's going on with that? those sounds? Yeah. I, I mean, first, I want to acknowledge how cool it is that you were part of the Shambhala community, too, because I was meditating with them in Vancouver oh my gosh. for a while, too. Yeah. I was actually the umze who had who would uh, strike the, I don't want to use the word strike. We were never supposed to use the word strike, but uh, who, would sound, <laughs> who would sound the the big bowl at the beginning of the, <laughs> the meditation for a little bit. Um, and uh, they were a great community to be part of. And, uh, and that's really cool that we have that. <laughs> we have that commonality. Yeah, I, uh, I practice, I, I, not to jump in there, but I practice in Milwaukee, Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I started to go to that center. And then I lived in Madison, Wisconsin. And they had another smaller center. And I've been to like kind of full day retreats out uh, in Portland as, as, as well. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt, but that connection where we were both you know, it's kind of in, kind of in the same room in some sort of way in different spots. Totally. Totally. That's very cool. Yeah. I've been, I, I, I will often credit like Buddhism as just like really being a life-saving for me. I, I too, I I didn't grow up Catholic, but but I uh, was raised Christian and I just, it, it didn't vibe for me after a certain point. And, uh, and I really found Buddhism um, in my twenties and it's, it was profoundly life-changing for me. And, uh, and I've, I've had several different teachers and I've, I've, I've sat with different lineages there. And I even had the privilege of, uh, of being on retreat with Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, what? Yeah. It was a big retreat out at UBC in Vancouver and there was probably about 700 of us there. And it was only, I th- I want to say like only like a couple of years after that, that he had his stroke. Yeah. Yeah. And, that was a um, devastating. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I, I'll always feel very fortunate. I was pregnant with my first kiddo when I went on retreat with him and, and I just, yeah, Buddhism has been so powerful for me. And that's one of the reasons I chose the Buddhist name that I was given as my artist name, because kind of just became my name and uh (laughs) yeah because of how powerful that that was for me so yeah um now i can't remember the question i feel like it was like uh well wait a second we had a how is it healing uh, how uh, is it healing right how is how yeah this just what's what's going on there because what a powerful notion right i mean we talk about words and philosophy i think that philosophy can be used as a, a some sort of heuristic some sort of like in, in, in Buddhism that we're talking about, right? That there is suffering. What we're trying not to do is compound the levels of suffering or, or suffer yeah. over the fact that we are suffering. But what can the sound do for us? What can that sound do for us? How does it heal us? Well, there's actually some pretty cool like science around sound and, and its healing abilities. And, uh, and one of the more recent things that I've stumbled across 
is that um, after a gong bath in particular, there was a, there was a person who was doing live blood analysis uh, before and after a gong bath. And they noticed like a profound structural change to the blood of people who had experienced a gong bath. Like, and, and yeah, I think the study included some images like from a slide. Yeah. That she had, uh, she or he, I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, but this person had prepared slides of, blood that had been drawn before and then after and you could see that like some of the red blood cells were kind of clumped together and sluggish you know before the gong bath and after the gong bath everything was sort of nicely spaced out and symmetrical and flowing and like Whoa. it was a really profound difference <laughs> and I know that I feel a huge difference when I go to a gong bath like it's almost like you can feel it just wash you like wash through your your energy yeah, field yeah and so that was a cool little scientific piece and i know there's i mean there's so many videos where where you see somebody you know projecting some sort of sound wave at water or sand and then you know it'll form really cool mandala like uh yeah formations in whatever in whatever medium you're projecting it at at really complex patterns uh but they're they're usually yeah like really organized patterns which is really cool so i feel like it kind of like i feel like sound has the ability to bring like helpful structure to, you know, uh, yeah. to chaos in some ways. Uh, and even, yeah, even just thinking about using sound as a meditation tool and focusing in on certain sounds during meditation, you know, I can see how, how that brings a certain structure and focus to the mind. And during, during some of the sound baths that I do, you know, I really think about, what instruments I'm playing and, and what, what mood and, and what, what kind of focus I want to create at a particular moment. And I feel like, uh, yeah, different sounds, focusing on different sounds, it evokes different feelings, it evokes different states of mind and, and different sounds can actually activate different brain waves. That's been, that's been demonstrated in certain studies as well. So so some of the sounds that uh, a lot of people are doing sound healing events will choose to play during their events or are known to sort of produce different, different calming brain waves and things like that. And, and we can think about like, you know, in, in terms of like even those little experiments you can do where you talk to a plant and you say loving things to a plant or, you know, you say hateful things to a plant and you can see like it just changes the, it changes the life force of the plant. And I think yeah. that music, I think we can only assume that music has to do the same thing. And, but I, I, but the other thing is that I think that probably music is, I mean, it's such a subjective experience for everybody that that you got to wonder too about like, you know, 
one piece of music might affect the molecules of one being in a totally different way than, than it does another being. And so that's a very fascinating aspect of how music can heal us. Cause I, I mean, I can listen to like a heavy metal song and feel like, you know, empowered and like, and alive and, and like my life force is being, fed by that music and another person can listen to that same piece of music and you know it's like nails on a chalkboard (laughs) and it probably like really affects them negatively um so yeah i feel like there's so much to explore in terms of the science of healing of music but it i mean just intuitively and just anecdotally i've experienced so much healing from music and and uh you know, and from, from all kinds of music, I've experienced healing from, you know, mantra in the same way that I've experienced healing from like, you know, a nine inch nail song. <laughs> Cause I yeah. relate, you know, so yeah. much to what's being said or, or just the melody evokes something in me, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that, music is is very healing and and as a as a musician being able to pour yourself into your music and like music for me is is healing in that way as well just being able to put my emotions there and to put my thoughts and feelings there in a way that that's more safe than just talking about them with others so i feel like as a as a musician as a composer music is healing in that way too. It gives you like a, an outlet for, for your feelings and thoughts and allows you to put some structure to it and, and, and put it somewhere that, that is healthy and, and that other people might, might listen to and, and relate to and go, Hey, I'm going through that. Or, Hey, I also thought that, or, or just, you know, for me as a, as a melody person, I always connect to melody first in music more, more so than lyrics just it, being able to relate to a melody and be like, Ooh, that touches me in that way, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, um, well, I, I think, I think talking about, uh, there's such a power behind, you know, talking about, you know, thinking about healing or being able to receive whatever those energies are through music. And I think if you engage with kind of like spiritual work or, or Buddhism, like there's a, there's a, there's a quest for like beyond the suffering on some level or like whether, whatever you come from it, like that, that there's um, transformation possible. And that's one thing that surprised me in doing this show over 200 episodes now is like, I think when you create something, maybe you could say it with, with your music, like when you start creating things, you don't, you, you have, you will truly never know the why and the how and the what it is. I think maybe the what it is. And as it develops, you're like, Oh, that's what it is. Like, I couldn't see it then. And part of it for the podcast has been a healing. And then I said, well, for me, like with philosophy, right? So what is philosophy, right? Like, it's a joke, right? Like, I know a philosopher. I mean, it's fun, right? It's, uh, oh, you studied philosophy. What do you do? And well, meanwhile, most philosophers I know are well employed, but that's another matter. Um, but like, what do you do? What do you do with um, you know, like all these all these big uh, 
you know, all these big questions of philosophy for me, when I went to the university and, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I graduated high school, smart guy, whatever. And I go to the university philosophy and was the place for me that I could hold everything like, like intellectually, like I could hold everything there. Like, why is this? Why is there the universe and all stuff? Now those are weird ass things to study in late capitalism, like America. But like, for me, I needed a place for my head to fit. And I always saw philosophy as therapeutic at the, or the laughing that you do and the absurdity of doing philosophy as therapeutic of studying a Buddhism and practicing Buddhism as, as, as therapeutic. And, uh, the power and the energy of that is been incredible to, to think about and collectively too, Jane, right? Like you and I sharing this or that when you sit in the Sangha and you're, you're, you're meditating, you don't think about all the time that there are others near you, but everybody's going through, this process to move towards something and and they can impact you and you can impact you. So I know I'm rambling a bit on that, but it's the power within all those things of um, expression that at least for me makes me feel like, you know what, I can do this or maybe with you and your music expression and meditation and and soundscapes, I can do this and I can share this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and mash, man, I have like so much respect for, for, for you and, and in like in doing this podcast and because like, I know how hard it is to like, you know, put yourself out there and, and like, and when I'm sure like, I, I don't know what your experience was when you, when you first started putting your your self-expressions out there but for me it was like it was like crickets man like people were like you know okay yeah. man <laughs> Sim- similar similar experience you know podcast like, enough yeah yeah you just have to kind of like keep pushing through it and being like okay like this is what i this is what i'm doing and it feels right and it feels good and like eventually you get to a place where people are like okay okay like i kind of see what you're doing you know like i see it i, I vibe yeah, with yeah, it yeah. you know like yeah, yeah. and like but it takes a certain like gumption to like to get there like and yeah. and like to just be like okay like i'm putting myself out here you know being vulnerable with my my thoughts and my curiosities and and everything and like and uh, when, yeah, like most artists that I've talked to have, have a similar experience. It's like when you first start putting stuff out there, people are just like, you know, whatever or like or, or they don't even they don't even look at it. It's like people want to people don't even want to want to try to look at it or try and listen to it at first until other people are listening to it and other people are like oh well maybe you should you know check this out and like it's like I mean for me I don't know (laughs) I I, I'm always really curious about my friend's self-expression because I mean being I I've always been a people people studier I've always been fascinated with people my my degree is in psychology yeah and uh and I love exploring the vastness of people's souls. And like, I, yeah. I'm, I hate 
shallow conversation. Like I, I love just going right into like just deep conversation. Yeah. 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 Because I'm like, this is what matters, you know? I know. And, uh, And so and now I forget where I was going with that. Nah, so that's all right. I think <laughs> there's like, a, I think yeah. there's a, there's a particular risk with us doing this show here, which is a good <laughs> risk. Is uh, yeah, we brought up a lot already, and uh, there's probably yeah. three embedded questions down below. I I know what it was. I know what it was. Now it was like I, I'm always curious about other people's art. Like when I when I know somebody and I find out they're they're producing art or they're writing or they're you know they've got some creative project that they're into i'm like yeah give me that like i'm like i want to see that i want to hear that you know but i think i think for the masses that's not always the case people are just kind of like what like and and i actually had one one co-worker tell me one time she said you know what like I never, I didn't listen to your music at first because I thought it would be bad and I didn't want to, I didn't want to hear it and then have it be bad and be like embarrassed for you. (laughs) Wow. That's a, that's a complicated sentiment. I know. And I was like, I never really thought about it like that because I'm just so anxious to like, just explore people and, and however they are. That I never thought that somebody could be like, actually like, ooh, this could be awkward. Like if I listen to your music and it's bad and she was just like, but then I listened to it and then it was actually really good. And (laughs) yeah, yeah, it it was. That's why that's why I put it out. (laughs) (laughs) It was funny to me. Like, so, yeah, like the long and short of that was that like, yeah, I, I, I really respect you as a as an individual for for doing this and, and putting yourself out there. Cause I know, I know how it can be. Well, be really yeah. punishing when it first, when you first begin. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I think, I think, uh, for me, part of it was, is, um, you know, uh, there are two things. One is my general, I'm, I, I work my day job as a union organizer, you know, uh, and there's this weird dynamic of like, I, don't behaviorally look for affirmation from everybody because it'd be wrong. Because if I'm affirmed by people who really are on the complete opposite side of what I do, then if I'm looking for that affirmation, I'm looking for something that's improper. Right. So it's just like how, you know, had taken risks. I did this, uh, psychological, uh, quick assessment. You know how there's some of these uh, tests and things like that. And some of them have great validity. This is a high, level one. But what it showed was that like, I can't do the, no, I can do, but I don't like to spend my time on like all like the details here and this and this and this piece. But when it comes to like risk taking within creation others, it's like way off the charts. Right. So I'm not afraid of taking risks, which was helpful to explain back to me. But the big piece for me, and I said a few times during the show was reading Amanda Palmer's, the art of asking uh, the book. And for me, as a philosopher, and when I read that, I just heard her saying that, like, there's nothing between you and the ask or asking for help or asking for support or busking or going out and putting yourself out there and say, or go to, you know, go to people you don't know and say, hey, do you want to come on this 
podcast and philosophy show. And it was really Amanda reading that about Amanda Palmer and her experiences of being like, Hey, if you're an artist, like be an artist, like get in there, uh, not asking for permission. And when you need to ask somebody for something, like how did you create that song? Contact them. They might respond. So ask, ask. And that's, that was really, that's, um, that's all the energy back behind me, that sentiment uh, in, in doing this. So I guess yeah. I'd say I had I, I didn't have that much trouble about like putting it out there or doing it. Just kind of like I did it. But with that momentum behind me and that thinking behind me. That's a fantastic momentum. And I, I definitely have not always had that. I've been, you know, I think with all the the spiritual work that I've done, like I I really don't seek as much validation as I would have like in my twenties, early twenties, you know. Uh, but uh, but I have this, and I think a lot of people who are neurodivergent have this as well. Um, is this? Um, and now I can't think of the term for it, but like just this terrible like self doubt about about my 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 artistry and like I mean really just about like everything about myself um imposter syndrome that's what I was gonna say yeah I have a terrible terrible case of imposter syndrome and like and I've always had this for as long as I can remember and it doesn't matter how skilled I get at something like I still think that I am terrible at it and and so like yeah like when you put yourself out there as an artist and and yeah it is crickets or like people just don't seem to care or whatever then that little voice in your head goes well you know well maybe you are terrible at it (laughs) but I've had to like really train my brain to to um to not do that because it's really irrational and 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 my brain even goes as far as to like when I'll get compliments on my music like I'll be like oh well they're just being nice you know (laughs) they're just yeah so like I don't experience it as like success I just experience it as like oh this person's just like you know throwing me a bone or whatever so like I, yeah, I have this experience myself of like just this massive self-doubt. So I've had to, I have to keep like training myself out of that and just, and just, yeah, and just saying to myself that, yeah, this is you and this is, this is worthy of expression and, you know, and the right people will connect to it. Like, especially like with music, music is so personal and so subjective and, and there's so much music out now like holy smokes like just like you know finding you know someone happening across my music is like a needle in a in a haystack these days and so like but yeah you have to kind of believe as an artist that like you know the people who need to hear it will hear it um and and that's it and even if it only impacts like one person you know that's awesome the song is called fizzle out and like i've had a lot of experience in my life of of uh 
having more more so in friendships, not not so much with with romance, but more in friendships um, and just having things just kind of dissolve over time. And I've never I've not had very many moments where I've had like an explosive end to like a friendship. Um, and I really knew what happened. It's all it's it's been kind of like a slow burn where things just kind of like dissipate and I'm left feeling kind of like, well, what happened? Like, did I do something? Like, is it life? Is it, you know, like, did we just move in different directions? Is it something I said? Is it something I did? And, and so in that same vein, like, you know, I, I, I actually really appreciate it when people say to me, hey, you know, this thing that you said or this thing that you did, you did, it really rubbed me the wrong way or it really really, you know, triggered me this way. I actually really appreciate that stuff. And so for me as a neurodivergent person to be able to, you know, have really good functional relationships, like I actually need people sometimes to say to me, you know, hey, could you maybe not do this? Or could you, you know, you know, this thing that you said, it bothered me. Because then I can, then I can, then I can learn because I, I don't want to be somebody who just uses my neurodivergence as an excuse to just, you know, behave in a way that's affecting people negatively. And, and, uh, and I, I do want, I do want to be, you know, if I've really done something that's hurt somebody or, or done something that seems like, a real like faux pas in a social situation. Like I would really appreciate being told because I don't yeah. see it. Like I don't often see it. And that's definitely yeah. a thing that people with autism experience. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, like I want people to be aware and I want people to be understanding, but I also want people to tell me when like, there's been a line crossed, you know? So, yeah. yeah so it's... Yeah. And, and I do like with my neurodivergence too, like I really credit, I really credit my brain for like the way I'm able to be an artist. Like I think, and like the more that I look at a lot of artists and like, you know, I'm like, God, there's so much neurodivergence there. Like there's, and I think that it's just, yeah, like so many artists are probably, you know, experiencing differences in the way they experience the world and and uh, and that's why we're creating art because it's just yeah like it's it's an expression of our experience so when you are like a very highly sensitive person you know yeah like you're it's it's definitely I feel like it's it's really expressive art comes more easily when you have that inner inner landscape of being just like really really uh sensitive and really open to all the sensory experiences going on around you and you have like you know this constant this constant inner inner dialogue inner landscape that's just like that never stops. It's like the energizer bunny. Like I'll, I'll talk to people every once in a while and, and I've had people disclose to me that they have like no 
inner dialogue and i'm just like what is that like <laughs> like what is it like and, to the, not and have- the gulf is unfathomable right I'm the like, gulf what? is unfathomable to being like that if i took that away there might be nothing back behind it sometimes so like how how, how do you deal with the nothing yes <laughs> So, yeah, I really I'm thankful for even though, like, I struggle with some things as a result uh, of being on the spectrum, I definitely also really, really do some things well in terms of especially my art. Well, in in your comments about art, um, I I was thinking a lot about the, you know, the 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 form that things move in you know whether it's by you know by your hand whether it's the song i was even thinking of the sounds that you're talking about and patterns being shaped if we're talking about a uh, sound in in music and a really powerful thought of you know of of art as 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 taking form on art what is the what is what is the role of art then what do, what do you think the role of art is and the question I ask, because I usually ask another one related to it, is: Has that changed at all? Um, the world feels different for a lot of people. It's climate or post-pandemic or things feeling different for folks. Has the role of art changed as well? Yeah, you know, I I think the role of art really comes back to that whole healing piece and and like. I feel that it's a universal healer and, uh, and, and it, it's, it's sort of, yeah, it's allowing your spirit like a true expression while you're here, like on this plane and in this physical form, it's, yeah, it's making, it's, it's sort of like a playful expression of your, of your spirit's journey, you know, and, and, and you sort of, you can work through some karmic things with it. I, I, I really deeply feel that it's, it's spiritual, like art is spiritual and, and, uh, and it's pretty hard to disentangle spirituality from art because like, yeah, I feel that it is like your essence coming through in some form that, that other, other essences can sort of relate to, you know? Um, yeah. I feel like that feeling when you listen to like a really good song and you kind of get tingly and, and like, you know, Ooh, and like chills almost, you know, goosebumps. I was listening to an interview with Trent Reznor and he was talking about how that's what he wants people to experience from his music. He doesn't want to like, you know, he is never goal was never like a chart topper or like, you know, to make a bunch of money or whatever. He just wanted like to evoke that like goosebumps feeling in people. And I, I think that is like your spirit tapping in in some way to that other person's spirit. And so I feel, yeah, I feel that's sort of the, the function of art is just like a spiritual expression of your, your innermost self. However, people want to define that. And yeah, uh, I, 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 yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's just wonderful. You mentioned goosebumps. I've had goosebumps uh, conversations uh, recently because I think it's just, it's just fun to talk about with music, right. With um, experience, because for me, for me, that experience is raw and immediate. You can't control it. You, You can't sit there and say, Oh, I fucking love the bass. Like, 
in, in this track, which would be fine. It's, it's not an analysis. It's not thought it's, it's experience. And I, I had, um, I mentioned this a couple of times I had Sharon Nova, uh, formerly, uh, Shara Warden, um, uh, amazing, <laughs> uh, singer. And sh- I had first encountered Shara when she was touring with the Decembris, uh, the hazards of love. And, uh, uh, the voice that she lends is just ah, goosebumps. And, you know, during that tour, there's kind of famous covers that they did during that of uh, Crazy on You by Heart. Um, yeah. And when that, I saw it twice, when that came off, I'm like, I'm just water, just goosebumps and, and, and everything. And I was lucky to have her on the show. And I asked her, you know, the question is like, how do you do that? She also, I had mentioned this recently, seen her live. I had never seen this before in any performance. And it was quiet because the symphony was there as well. But she hit this note. And I heard two people just whelp out loud at the same time. Unmitigated, uncensored. And that's where the philosophy is. It's like. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that just happened. And I felt it too, but I didn't, ah! <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so yeah. maybe other people experience it, but they didn't yelp inappropriately in uh, response to it. But the, the goosebumps, the goosebumps, uh, uh, line of, um, in, in, in here in Resner, I mean, I think of that and you think of not in subtlety, you think in the, the tense raw energy of like, Ugh! and, um, yeah. I think there when folks experience it, it's they're experiencing in a different, you know, it could be the high note or it could be the the full aggression that you feel in your heart that's manifest with yeah. nine inch nails. Uh, I love that area. It's such a fun area to kick yeah, around. It's 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 definitely like it seems to be, you know, every once in a while I'll encounter people who like just aren't into music and uh <laughs> and I'm always just like what a wow like what a unique like I I can't put myself there like I can't I yeah, can't yeah. I can't I'm in a unable to take that perspective of of just not not being able to experience music that way um because that's just part of who I am but like, yeah, apart from the apart from people who who just really don't have an interest in music, that's been almost a universal thing that I talk to people about. Like people will call it a different thing. Like my husband calls it the tingles. <laughs> he gets the tingles in like the top of his head. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah I, I, there's there's uh, but it seems to be a really universal thing with music. And like for me, it's usually like. I usually get it with a progression, like a certain a certain chord progression, a certain progression of notes will do it for me. It's never like sometimes one chord, like a really cool chord will do it for me. Like, ooh, like that's a really nice chord. But usually it's the way something is weaved together, like as a whole. And like, it's just like super exciting for my soul or whatever. 
Yeah. Well, you, well, I, I identify like the, the feeling it was interesting. You mentioned that it's like, for me, uh, my experience most overt and the examples I think of is for me is the female voice. So it's tied to, for me, it's tied to the female voice. Although I would say that my experience sometimes is different. If I'm thinking of like kind of darker stuff, darker ballads, um, uh, goth eighties, nineties, a lot of times I can experience the same feeling I think not to have it be so gendered, but like from males, it has to do with like almost the expression of some like frustrated sentiment or something or something that like something like hits that way. Or um, I think of Depeche Mode in like transgression, uh, like the, the ideas of like transgression and like sparkling or like these kind of big ideas. So you know, who, how are you sensitive to it? But I know for sure, I know for sure on the the times that I'm like deeply remembering is like female voice hitting that note. But, and if you as a creator might be like, Oh, listen to this right here. Oh my gosh. You know, like something very (laughs) discreet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so personal. It's so, it's so personal. Like, and, and, uh, a friend of mine, like this was honestly like one of my favorite moments in putting my music out there is when a friend of mine said that he had this experience with one of my songs and that he'll listen to it over and over again as like an empowering song. And, uh, and that was like so cool for me. I was like, F yeah, like this is what, this is what I want as, you know, like if I if I had an ultimate goal for myself beyond just my own nurturing of my own spirit and and my my art, like that would be the goal is to like connect to people on that level where they're just like really having like a core experience of your music. Like that's that is cool. That is cool. Like I I I like that more than the idea of like you know getting a song on the radio or whatever. Like I I I prefer the experience of someone just having that core experience with my my music because that those are my best experiences with music both listening to it and creating it like being in a jam and and everything's just like gelling really well and everything's come together and like I have that experience in in a jam as well like every once in a every once in a while and uh that's it for me like that's the high point it's a high point in music for me. Yeah, thank you. I um wanted to mention one more thing. Um, got have an up uh, upcoming uh, episode um with uh, Action Play, which is uh, autistic uh, artist um in in company, and um one of the individuals involved with that is um Jackson Tire uh, Tucker Meyer. Um, I'll have on a show and. In, 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 in the near future. But um, he did uh, a, a fantastic mockumentary called Satan Cured My Autism and uh, <laughs> plays all the different characters. And what's what's really cool is he plays the Midwestern, his Midwestern mom. And it, it's, it's really just such a unique, uh, brilliant piece. It got some attention, Satan Cured My Autism. But um, I'm going to be having... Um, uh, some of the folks involved with this uh, became known with uh, Autism the Musical, which I think you can find on on Disney. And then there was a follow-up. Really fascinating, uh, just great feeling of, you know, of a teacher who says, like, nobody thinks we can do this play, you know, has a parent meeting and being like, it's going to be sloppy. We don't know what we're doing. And, and just 
building it. It's a really uh, profound and in uh, in great. I also had um, the impressionist painter Charlie French, uh, 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 Down, uh, Down syndrome, and um, uh, beautiful art, beautiful artists. And I think one of the things on on the show is as I go along because the show has been worldwide and tries to be an open collective, I tend to notice areas of lack like that are just in my head with the show of being like, well, wait a second, if we're talking about art, how do we get this here? Like, you know, I haven't had artists from the continent of Africa yet. Like, and I try, you know what I mean? So like just, just bringing in more voice um, uh, to a collective. And I believe talking or understanding uh, neurodivergence uh, in connection to this. I just want to thank you for, for honestly, just in, in your artist bio to encounter that and to be able to engage uh, on this, I, I think, uh, I think it's a great joy. Um, yeah, for sure. So I'm not going to say, and not going to speculate or know for sure your answer. Why is there something rather than nothing? But I, I believe you could have some intellectual influences and in, in thinking about something, and and thinking about nothing uh, in relation to this question. So I wanted to ask you, why is there something rather than nothing? That's such an interesting question, and it's really funny because I, as I, I can't remember how old I was as a child. Um. But I wrote this little essay that was called Nothing. And it was like really philosophical for a child. Like, and I I don't know where it is now. I don't know if my mom has it or what, but it was like <laughs> even like I feel at a young age, I was really thinking about like Buddhist concepts like that. And like, and so I I think that um you know as a person in the in who's taken a form it's pretty hard to like contemplate the formless and uh so you know from a buddhist standpoint I can kind of like any conceptualization I have about something formless is is inherently wrong and like only would ever, you know, serve the function of leading me to experience what the formless is like. Um, so I don't think I could, I don't think I could ever describe what nothing is as a being who's taken a form. I think that I would have to release this form in order to experience that. And even then it's not nothingness. It's like, I don't know. It is, but it isn't. It's like, it's formlessness. It's not nothingness, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Like, like nothingness to me is almost like an impossibility. Yeah. It like feels I, like an impossibility. Cause even, I, even with formlessness, there's still something there. I dig it. I dig it. Hey, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Jane, uh, sacred cranium. Tell us about uh, tell us about electronic music. Uh, before I mention that, uh, electronic music. I um, I think I got into I, I, different names and such like that. But I think I got into say electronic music a lot um, towards uh, industrial 
industrial electronic kind of like area and um towards that big influential band for me very trashy band my life with the thrill kill cult um yeah i haven't really listened to much of theirs yeah um the reason i mentioned is they're playing in portland tonight and i was so excited because um gonna try to get to it but i tried to remember the last time i saw my life with the thrill kill cult and i came up <laughs> with the date and it was 1994 <laughs> wow so um but anyways on uh on the on on the electronic uh bit uh i i really dropped into it got more into kind of like related to industrial electronic sound, early ministry, um, thinking about um, Depeche Mode and keyboards and all that. And I know that's kind of like some of the basis in the background, but tell us about Sacred Cranium. Yeah, so Sacred Cranium, I mean, uh, developed through my explorations with actually GarageBand and... uh, just messing around on there and discovering that they had such a rich library of really realistic, cool sounding synths uh, that I didn't have to, you know, go out and spend hundreds or thousands of dollars on a synth to play around with. So I started just recording some things with, with GarageBand and eventually moved into Logic Pro. They have a more massive library of different synths on there and different modulators and stuff. And yeah, just I, I've I've had I've had a really big interest in electronic music for for quite some time. Um, it, you know, I I feel like I definitely started off my interests in music as like one of those people who is like you know. Well, electronic music, it's not real music, you know, like (laughs) you hear these musical snobs say stuff like this. And I definitely had that experience like early on. And and like one of my favorite bands growing up was Radiohead and still is. And uh, yes, 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 yes. And they I I remember when they released. um, Was it Kid A first or Amnesiac? I think it was Kid A. Kid A. Yeah, and like I remember when they released Kid Kid A, I felt like deeply betrayed, and <laughs> I was like, "What is this? Like you've like you know polluted your like awesome alt rock sound with this like <laughs> electronic thing," and I was like super angry, and <laughs> uh, and and like and then like the years went on, and I, like I just dis- I discovered, I mean not much time actually passed in this in this window of my human experience but uh, like i discovered 9 inch nails and i really whatever reason they that really resonated with me at the time and um and i started exploring more as i grew up you know my parents played uh, you know depeche mode uh new order a lot of stuff like that um, so it wasn't like that I, I hadn't experienced electronic music and, and I did like New Order growing up quite a lot. I really liked New Order. Also like Big Audio Dynamite was one that my my dad played a lot. Um, yeah. And I really enjoyed them as a kid. But yeah, it was like I had this really experience with being like, oh, I don't like this. 
but then I started getting into Nine Inch Nails and some other things and, 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 and then I started re-listening to some of the stuff from the eighties that I had listened to more in my childhood and getting more back into that. And then just like did eventually did a whole deep dive and got really into house music and like everything. Now I love electronic music like so much. Yeah. And I actually find that some of the, I don't know, some of the freshest ideas often now are coming out in that genre. Like where I'll, where I'll hear something, I'll be like, that's new. Like that is like, yeah, I, yeah. I dig that. I haven't heard that before. Like one bet, one, uh, one group that I listened to that really, hit me like that is plaid um if you've ever heard of them they're a duo from the uk and their music is so so fascinating from like a cerebral point of view they have all these cool polyrhythmic things going through there that meld into like a really cohesive whole by like a midpoint in the song and it's so (laughs) it's so cool like it's such a cool experience and it's like always like I'll listen to their songs and like there'll be a melodic progression and it'll go somewhere that I didn't expect, but I love it. Like, you know, somewhere where it goes where you don't expect and then you're like, yeah. ew, ew, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, for a second, yeah. But 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 with Plaid, it's always like, oh, I didn't expect that, but I like it, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so like I find there's so much fresh stuff happening in Electronica and I, I just love it. I love the whole genre, like, and all the subgenres. there's, I mean, there's obviously some things that I don't enjoy like any genre, but, um, but yeah, so I, you know, coming from that sort of background, um, was really having a lot of fun playing with those sounds that I kind of felt were probably for a lot of years more beyond my, my reach because the equipment required was so extensive, you know, and now that we have all these, modulated things that are just you can access right on your computer with a midi controller um it's pretty it's pretty cool to be able to create those kinds of sounds that i i really get into and it really allows just a creative stretch and uh and you know when you put on a certain certain synth tone or some sort of arpeggiating rhythm or something like it it really opens up a new door that, you know, that is created by that sound alone that allows for a different movement and creativity than what I would experience writing music just with my guitar and bass and drums and whatnot. So it's kind of like a fun experiment and, um, I'll go through like phases with it. Like sometimes I'll be really into the alt rock project. Like right now I've got, I've got, a full band for the first time really ever I have this cohesive full band that's yay we're performing which is so hard to do like I've over the years I really like built myself into this solo looping artist because or just doing acoustic sets because it was so hard to get a band to commit to to performing together so I've really pouring a lot of myself into into the alt rock stuff now because because of that I have that going on and we're performing and and uh, I'm working on an album for that project. But the yeah the electronic stuff is really it's a playful playful side project and it's yeah it's cheekier it's it's uh, 
can be, yeah, there's more profanity in it maybe than my other stuff. And uh, it's just kind of a fun, fun experiment that, you know, that kind of turned into some good songs. Like I initially didn't even expect to really release anything under it. And then I was like, oh, maybe I can actually put this out there. And, and uh, yeah, I like it. I like it. I, I will go back to it definitely at some point right yeah. now it's kind of it's kind of on hiatus because of the the alt rock stuff taking more of the forefront yeah it'll re reemerge i'm sure well tell us uh tell us jane where where um i saw uh some of your work on on bandcamp where 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 the heck folks go uh find your music and download yeah. it and listen and stream so you can find it. I'm I'm almost everywhere except YouTube. Like a lot of my more recent stuff, I haven't put on YouTube. I was having some weird stuff happen with YouTube in terms of copyright concerns and stuff. So I stopped because oh, yeah. it's really easy to rip stuff off of, of YouTube. It's becoming easier to rip things off of like Spotify and stuff as well. But um but at the time, it was like, oh, like it's so easy to rip stuff off of YouTube. And I was having some red flags in that department. And so I stopped releasing my stuff on there. I will put like, if I have an official music video, I'll put it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't do it through my distributor anymore. So like if people go on YouTube, they'll only find um, my two older albums and then some of like the singles from my newer albums. They won't find the full full meal deal there all the newest stuff will be everywhere else so spotify apple music um bandcamp is a great accessible platform because you don't have to you don't i don't think you even have to make an account to listen on there you can it'll give yeah, you a I think, couple i think that's so yeah yeah it'll give you a couple of free listens um just through your web browser and then uh and then eventually it asks you to to, to buy my stuff if you want to keep listening to it on there. Um, but it's, yeah, I think Bandcamp's a good way. And, uh, I mean, I have a, I have a website that has all the links, all the links to everything on it, which is janecarmalamo.com, J-A-Y-N-E, karma, L-A-M-O.com, with all the links there, too. Yeah. Cool. Hey, uh, so... Um I'm recording. We're chatting. I'm down in uh, Mid Valley, uh, Oregon. Uh, you're uh, further north here. Want to tell us just a little bit about the area you make your art? Yeah. So I uh, was for quite a while in the Lower Mainland, BC, around the Vancouver area. Um, university days through through my kids. Uh, younger days. And, uh, we, during COVID decided that the city, we were just done with the city. And so we've moved to the Kootenays in BC. We're close to Nelson, BC, which is a real cool artistic hub. If you're ever in BC, Nelson is super art loaded. Like there's just so much awesome. going on there. And in fact, I'm I'm in Salmo, and Salmo is just a half hour from Nelson. And in fact, Salmo is this crazy mecca of artists as well. Like I think there's only like the population is maybe like 1,200 people in Salmo, and um, there is a ridiculously high amount of musicians here. And we have 
every Friday. There's a wonderful local brewery in town called Erie Creek Brewing Company that has a an amazing drop-in open mic jam session where like people just come out of the woodwork constantly who are just like amazing musicians, like amazing bass players. Like a couple of weeks ago, dude with a sweet fretless bass was just, you know, riffing out like, you know, could have been on a professional stage somewhere like, and, and the um, musician who, who runs the open jam, his name's Marty Carter, is just like the loveliest man you could ever, like, you could ever meet. So lovely and so multi-talented, plays everything. So we have these epic jams going on every Friday night. And like, it's the most amazing little community. Like, and I I, I say like, I, I would not have had, I don't think the experiences I've had with with being a performer had I not moved out here. Vancouver is very cutthroat and very, I don't know, unfriendly in a lot of ways. And, uh, and I was going to start performing there. Um, but then all the COVID thing happened and, but I'm, I'm really glad that I didn't start performing there. And then I started performing here instead because, uh, it was like received so well. Everyone is so kind here and, you know, so supportive um there's another group of musicians called the selkirk mountain music society that uh that i often play with that have been really supportive of my my live performances here and and this just it's a real beautiful beautiful artistic community here like a really well-kept secret i think of of bc um because yeah, there's there's so much art and culture going on in this little little I country love, town. <laughs> I love it. It's great to hear. Well, something rather than nothing has started its friendly invasion, possibly uh, in, into Salma. We uh, we we <laughs> just started our uh, street team. We got stickers made up uh, with the design by Nick Friesen over in uh, over in uh, Winnipeg. Manitoba. Nice. Uh, and uh, so those stickers are going up and around in, in Oregon, but we have uh, listeners, guests kind of trying to get those around in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Madison, Wisconsin, Winnipeg uh, with Nick putting some stuff up there. So uh, maybe we can get some uh, add you to the street team and get some of those uh, something rather than nothing stickers over there in this uh, this this enclave. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd be I'd be happy to do that. Absolutely. All right. You signed up. I'm uh, uh, an organizer by trade. Once I heard that you're signed up. Okay, we're good. Um, so um, it's 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 been a great pleasure to talk to you, Jane. Um, I, I I know. Um, like I said, in in in, in talking about uh, your art and the different manifestations of it, and uh, just great conversation around um, you know spirituality and, and, and thinking about Buddhism, uh, profound thoughts about sound, <laughs> just sound, and uh, I don't know that blood thing there about the the gong bath. Um, I uh, I think deeply about those immersions. I've done an episode on um, you know the uh practice of forest bathing uh japanese forest bathing of uh, again immersion right um, immersion within the green within the the cadence of of the forest um and i just think of sound i think of feeling in the ear and all that type of stuff and it's 
don't know. It's really kind of a powerful and, and, and inspiring thought of uh, of healing or the potential for it, right? Because things yeah. are messed up. It feels like sometimes, and it's nice to have a good song. And <laughs> absolutely, forest bathing is is pretty profoundly healing. I, my uh, my friend and and fellow bandmate uh, Steve. Gosselin, he goes by Steve Mark is his artist name. Um, he plays bass for me and I play bass for him um, with each of our respective individual works. He uh, is a brain injury survivor and and he swears by forest bathing. Like almost every day he gets out into the forest with his dog and 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 it really helps his health and well-being like tremendously. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty powerful and like, you know, nature has its own acoustic uh acoustic soundscape to offer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well everybody um you know, even on that point uh uh Jane's recent uh recent LP uh, medicine which I think a lot of times we're talking about medicine in 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 healing here um uh uh, Jane, uh, wanted to thank you so much, uh, for coming on to the, onto the podcast and, um, you know, the threads here that I can see of, um, with Melissa Oliveri and Canel music and, um, just, just a way and a thread to reach you and to find out about Salmo, about, um, about your art. And, uh, I don't miss, you know, I don't miss the, miss the threads and it's, it, it's happening it's a happy moment to be able to chat with you and kick around this art stuff. I wanted to thank you for coming on to the show. Oh, it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure chatting with you today. I really appreciate you having me on and I'm super glad that, that uh, we're getting to know each other. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and no, yeah. no, no, no go rush into Salmo. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a hidden enclave, right? Let's, let, let's appreciate <laughs> it. Let's appreciate the balance. And, uh, but yes, for, wait, it's for, actually for, really for, terrible here. Nobody. <laughs> well, but wait a second. There's competing factions. I got the, there could be the chamber of commerce or the tourism board over there being like, yeah, this is the artist enclave that you don't know about but um uh, great great to reach you and um really look forward uh really look forward to uh, all the music you create and like i said even at at nighttime uh, folks check out the 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 soundscapes i i mean i i can tell you i can tell you that i know that there are healing elements there uh for you so pop onto Bandcamp, look up jane Carmelamo and just like get going or get going with the, some of the other tracks um thanks thanks again jane and um rock on yeah. thank you ken